0: Thank you, Becky, for helping us to think about grace more fully today. And over these weeks of Advent, we are reflecting on how God, because of grace, gifts us. And so, uh, as most of you are aware, Advent is a preparatory kind of season where we prepare our hearts to rightly engage Christ celebrating his coming anticipating His second coming. And uh, one of the ways that we're doing that over these weeks is we're reflecting on what a giving God our Lord is. So no doubt, uh, as you are caught up in what goes on around Christmas every year, uh, gifts have been on your mind. If you're on the younger side, you're thinking about what gifts you hope to get, right? If you're a little bit older, you are thinking a lot about the gifts that you need to procure, that you need to get to be able to give to someone. And perhaps you're working off a list. Perhaps you're working off of a budget. Uh, Perhaps you are a brave soul and you got out on Black Friday. Uh, Perhaps you're already through and we don't want to know who you are. Perhaps you haven't even begun and I feel your pain, brother. Um, But when we talk about Uh, giving gifts and receiving gifts and things like that, we can't help but think a little bit about cost, right? Because uh, it is a significant factor. And I wonder, will you be giving any expensive gifts? Expensive is kind of a relative term, is it not? For example, most of us in here have no problem going out and getting a $4 latte. Maybe we don't like to pay $4 for a latte, but uh, if we want one, we get one, and some have more than one a day. However, if you live somewhere on our planet where you earn $2 a day, a $4 latte is extremely expensive. The notion of uh, expensive Matters uh, is something that our marketing world has learned about. So we have come to associate something that is expensive as something that is valuable, right? And uh, marketers try to uh, woo us and uh, draw us into our spending habits by making us think that we can get something very expensive for a lot less expense. So if they want to sell us a $200 Montblanc pen, they can say it's a $400 Montblanc pen. And you not only feel like you have gotten something of great value to buy a Montblanc pen, but you feel very shrewd because you got it for $200 instead of $400. And there's all kinds of psychological games that are going on uh, now because of uh, the value you think that you've been able to get the shrewdness that you've been able to express, and then the status that you have as you carry that around in your pocket. You bring it out to sign your documents and things, and people are like, ooh, wow, wow, you know, I don't know what to do with all that. When we talk about God giving grace gifts, they are expensive gifts. And that's not a relative term compared to something else. It just is. It's not a psychological nuance to make you feel better or worse about anything. It just is. It's kind of like the gift that we have with our freedom in this nation. You know freedom is not free. You know that it is extremely costly. It's expensive to gain and maintain freedom. Men and women who serve us in our military give their lives for that. It's a very expensive thing to have. And that is the nature of the gifts that God wants to give to us. Very costly. Very expensive. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up. You see, God has always been. Just let that soak in and blow your mind. Now bring your mind back together, all those little pieces. He's always been. No beginning, no end. He's always been perfectly complete. And we have come to understand, because He's disclosed Himself to us, that He is one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. And that there is something of a relationship within that Godhead between Father, Son, and Spirit that has always been communal, perfect, and complete. Now, I say all that to say this. When God created and brought you and brought me into this world, it was not because God was incomplete and needed a companion uh, to address His loneliness. God has not been lonely. He did not think, uh, in my loneliness, I think I'll create people Rather, it was a giving aspect on God's part when He said, what we have, basically, in the Godhead is so awesome, so complete and perfect, I want to share it. I want others to be able to experience and know something about what we have here in the Godhead. And so He creates an entire universe that can sustain the life of the apex of His creation, a human being. And, because God knows all things, He knows in order to have a legitimate relationship with this being, this being must have free will with which he or she can choose to know God, to love God, to have a relationship with God. And, of course, the risk with free will is that a different choice might be made. And so God, knowing these things, creates a universe that can be a suitable habitat for a human. He creates man, male and female. He creates them. And invites them into relationship with Himself. And there they are, described as in a garden-type experience with the one and only God. God. And of course, at some point, they choose to reject God. And God, knowing all things, even had a plan for that so that He planned redemption where something that was lost, a fellowship, a relationship, an engagement, a communion, something that was lost could be regained, could be redeemed. Thus, God is gifting us. He has always been gifting us. He is gifting us. He will gift us. And Christmas, rightly experienced, acknowledges that God is the giver of all good gifts. And Christmas, rightly experienced, engages my heart and engages your heart in ways that we make sure that we are receiving well his gifts. So we're going to kind of do a little shift today in all of the cultural current of what's going on about gifts right now, because this isn't about what gifts do I need to get so I can check it off my list and when am I going to be able to ship it and when am I going to be able to have this gathering and hand it off and all this. No, this is about how do I rightly engage the creator of the universe and receive His gifts and not get derailed nor distracted with all of the busted aspect of it that's a part of our culture and a part of our world. So we're going to spend just just a few minutes to reflect upon this giving aspect of God under the notion of how expensive it is, how costly it is to Him. And uh, the whole thing's a mind-blowing thing to me. So I, I just pray that, as we are considering these things, that that sense of awe falls upon you as well. I, I just get awed with this idea that he planned the gift. He planned the gift before creation, the gift of redemption, the gift of buying us back from our fallen busted way. Consider 1 Peter 1.20. God chose Jesus as your ransom long before the world began. I just have to say, wow. (laughs) And then we are taking into consideration Matthew 25.34, kind of thinking about at the second coming when God is His judge and God is His king, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Prepare to come into this fullness of communion with the Godhead that has been prepared for you before the creation of the world. Ephesians 1, four. Even before He made the world, God loved us God chose us in Christ. So, not only did He plan the gift before creation, but He delivered the gift by incarnation. Now, I know you don't care much about theologians, but almost any theologian that you'll read and that you'll uh, engage in any kind of dialogue about God and the, the great things of God, almost all of them will be in agreement. The greatest miracle God ever did was incarnation. Where God somehow divides the oneness of the Godhead so that as Son, He comes into this world and becomes a human. The divine becomes human and is one of us. He's among us. So, here's how the Scripture addresses that. John chapter 1, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word Uh, was with God, the Word was God, so the Word became human and made His home among us. Made His home among us. And we have seen His glory. I mean, you guys have been reading through the Bible for an entire year, most of which has been in the Old Testament, and all you have read about is the hope to see the glory of God. The hope to see the glory of God. Could it it ever be that anyone would ever see the glory of God? The great heroes of the faith like Moses and like David, they only saw shadows of the glory of God. But then incarnation, we behold the glory of God as face to face. Blow your mind. They we're told in Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the right time came, God sent His Son born of a woman. Philippians 2.6 and 7, though Jesus was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges and He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. What God does that? Except a God who is the embodiment of grace and wants to bestow on the most unworthy recipients the gift of Himself. And then we're told in 1 Timothy three sixteen, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith: Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit and He was seen by angels and announced to the nations and He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Planned before creation. Delivered by incarnation. And then paid for. Paid for with crucifixion. The God of the universe, the God of grace, the God of love, the God of initiative who reaches out to us, who seeks to envelop us, to bless us, rejected by us, then pays a redemptive price that we can't pay. We're told in Philippians 2 eight when he appeared, Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. We're told in Romans chapter three, twenty-five, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. God is fair and just, and He declares sinners to be right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. What a gift. And then we're told in 1 John 2.2, He Himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. 1 John 4.10, God loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Mind-blowing stuff. God is gifting us. So let me say it one more time. He decides to give Himself to us. He's that magnanimous. What we have is full and complete. Let's share it. He decides to give Himself. So He creates a universe. Speaks it all into being. From nothing to something. Just so that He can sustain human life. God creates man that we might know Him. That's purpose. That's intent. That is a vacuum in our lives that remains unfilled until we have relationship with Him. God has been rejected by man. But He's not surprised. He's not caught unawares. There's no oops. Because He planned before the foundation of the world that He would redeem. He would give people a second chance at the gift of all gifts. The story is told about a wealthy man who had a son whom he loved very much. And uh, his son began to share his father's love for art. They traveled the world. They procured some of the finest art pieces anywhere in the world. Museums everywhere constantly called upon this man to see if they could have some of his pieces in their museums. In uh, the passing of time, the son felt a duty to respond to his country's need in a time of war. And so he enlisted, he went to the battle lines, and within a few months, he was killed. This, of course, crushed the father Uh, The greatest treasure in his life was his son. And now his son had been lost to him. And on Christmas Day, there was a knock on his door. He goes and opens the door, and there stands before him is a soldier in uniform with a wrapped package. With a little puzzled look, the father says, what can I do for you, son? And the soldier introduces himself. And said, I served alongside of your son. And in fact, your son had retrieved me from a wounded state to drag me to the medic when he himself was killed. And in my real life, I'm an artist. And I, in tribute to your son, have painted him. And he tears off the wrapping and he presents to this father a painting, a portrait of his beloved son. Now, the father is an art specialist. So he knows he's not looking at the world's greatest masterpiece. This is not the product of a genius, but this is the product of talent. And this young soldier has beautifully captured the essence and the nuance of his son. It's a a very fine painting. And he's so moved, he begins to weep right then and there. He thanks the boy and promises he'll prominently display this portrait of his son. As weeks go on, he finds out that, in fact, his son had not only retrieved that one soldier who was the artist, but he had retrieved many and brought them to safety, brought them to the medics for their medical care uh, before he lost his own life. And just understanding that giving nature of his son's heart, that sacrificial nature of his son's heart, it caused him to treasure the portrait of his son all the more. It was not only prominently displayed in his home amongst all of his other artistic treasures, but it was his favorite. It it was the prize of his heart. Again, in the passing of time, the uh, man finally grew old and died, and his estate became... Uh, up for auction and sale. There were art uh, critics and uh, museum uh, people that came from all over the world to this auction with the hopes of uh, being able to snag some of the great treasures this guy had accumulated through all the years. It was worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. The auction was held on Christmas Day, the day in which this father had lost his son. And then later had received this portrait of his son. And the auction began with the selling of the portrait of his son. So the auctioneer brings out the portrait of the son and says, What did my bid? Do well, I bid a hundred? Do we start at a hundred? You know, and he starts at, and no one's responding. And it goes on for a little while. And finally uh somebody calls out from the back and says, Let's get to the good stuff. What are we doing? Why do we have to keep uh, auctioning off this uh, uh, initial piece? And the auctioneer just simply replied, This piece has to be sold before anything else goes. Who will take the son? And this guy who had been a neighbor of the father said, Well, I knew the boy, and he means a lot to me, and I think it's a great portrait. I'd like to have it. I, I'll bid $10. Would you take $10? And he goes, Sold. Then with another rap of the gavel, he says, and that concludes our auction today. Well, everybody in the place is shocked. They cannot believe. What do you mean? We're here for the stuff, the good stuff. What what are you talking about? And he opens up a letter, and the auctioneer reads, from the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. And all of his art treasure went to the one person who cared enough about the Son to take the Son. The Scriptures tell us whoever believes and receives the Son has it all. Has it all. This Christmas, will you get the gift that you must have? That you were born to have? That God dreamed you up to have? Will you take the Son? Will you receive all that the Father wants to bestow upon you in this day in this life for all eternity you say how do I get there let me just mention two things one, repent repent of rejecting God rejecting His gift you go, I don't know that I've ever really rejected Him if it's not the treasure of your life If something else is of greater import to you than the Son, then you have rejected the Son until He becomes the centerpiece of your life. Prominently displayed amongst all your other treasures, but prominence, preeminence. Then you need to repent and fall in love with the Christ so that you adore Him and all your affection is toward Him first and foremost? Will you repent and will you receive by faith? Let me pray for you. So, Father, I pray for My friends, today, about this incredible, unspeakable, unmatchable gift that is Jesus. We confess together He is Lord, He is Savior, He is worthy of all of our lives and all of our worship, all of our allegiance all of our aspirations. And Father, except by Your grace, we are incapable of receiving this gift. Would You grace us today to hunger and thirst for You? To turn the cavity of our lives to You for the filling that only You can bring. We pray then in Jesus' name. Amen.